Hey, my name is Cindra Kampoff, and I'm a small town Minnesota gal, Minnesota nice as we like to say it, who followed her big dreams. I spent the last four years working as a mental coach for the Minnesota Vikings, working one-on-one -on -one with the players. I wrote a best-selling book about the mindset of the world's best, and I'm a keynote speaker and national leader in the field of sport and performance psychology. And I am obsessed with showing you exactly how to develop the mindset of the world's best so you can accomplish all your goals and dreams. So I'm over here following my big dreams and I'm here to inspire you and practically show you how to do the same. And you know, when I'm not working, you'll find me playing Miss Pac-Man. Yes, the 1980s game, Miss Pac-Man. So take your notepad out, buckle up, and let's go. This is the high performance mindset. In terms of culture, culture is really the result of your leadership decisions. Culture is what you reward. Culture is what you tolerate and encourage. I do think you can be deliberate about culture. You can sit down with a group of people and ask uh, what you want the culture to be. Uh, but I think more than anything, it is reflective of leadership decisions. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, and I'm grateful that you're here. Now, the goal of these interviews is to interview the world's best, to learn more about mindset. And if you know mindset is essential to your success, then you are in the right place here at the High Performance Mindset. So welcome back or welcome to the podcast. In today's interview, I interview Timothy Campos, the CEO of Woven and the former CIO of Facebook. And as the former Chief Information Officer at Facebook, Tim Campos doubled overall productivity to $1.8 million per employee, making it the most productive company in the world. And now as CEO of Woven, he is taking these lessons to reimagine how people use their calendar so they can spend time on what matters most to them. And in this podcast, Tim and I talk about various things. We talk about why we don't value our time like we might value our money. We talk about an exercise that he learned from his life coach that taught him to see the value of his time. We talk about a motto used at Facebook called Fortune Favors the Bull and what it means to you. We also discuss why the best companies really keep asking their why and how they keep culture front and center. And at the end, he talks about how he sees Facebook as flawed. And my favorite part of this interview was when he was talking about Mark Zuckerberg and other leaders that he's been able to, to witness and be in the presence of. And he says, courage is the willingness to do what might be painful or difficult. I did want to give you a heads up that there is some echoing throughout the interview but it's way too good not to share. All right, without further ado, let's bring on Timothy Campos. Timothy Campos, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you doing over there from Utah? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. We just uh, uh, found out that he's probably about uh, five miles where my sister lives, so I spent a lot of time in Park Cities, meeting my sister and seeing her. So as we get into today's interview, tell us a little bit about your passion and what you do right now. Uh, well, uh, my passion is, is actually my company. Uh, but more importantly, like what my company is about, helping people spend time on what matters most. Mm -hmm. And that truly is my passion. This is, um, I mean, it's what I care about personally. Um, like, like I said, I'm in Utah right now and I'm here with my family and my family is a part of my life. I'm passionate about them. 
Um, but uh, I'm also you know, passionate about creating meaning in other people's lives, and, and that's what I do with my company. And um, so I'm passionate about that. Um, but ultimately, um, getting a little bit of feedback there, I'm not so passionate about uh, uh, audio feedback, uh, but I'm definitely <laughs> passionate about helping people spend time on what matters most. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what matters most? I would guess that that changes for people. Best thing about that being sort of our mantra is that um, each of us can sort of interpret that in terms of what it means for, for us. Um, you know, you might be somebody who's, um, you know, all about your, your job is recruiting. So you're passionate. About what matters most to you is just spending time meeting new people. Um, you might be a philanthropist, in which case what matters most to you is, um, you know, making your um, philanthropic endeavors successful. Um, you might be somebody who's, um, you know, just super passionate about technology. So it matters most to you is spending time coding or something like that. Um, and there's no judgment on this. There's no right or wrong. Uh, what matters for people is what matters for people. Um, the challenge, I think, is that we often spend time on things that don't matter to us. Yeah. Um, sometimes because we have to, um, but oftentimes because we're not in control of our lives. And mm. uh, that's in part why I left Facebook. Um, you know, Facebook used to ask people this question, how much time are you spending on what you, uh, uh, what you love? Um, and for me, that number kept going down. Uh, okay. But uh, also, you know, I felt that starting my own company would give me the opportunity to really invest in the things that, that I care most uh, about. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, very long-winded answer to your question. Oh, that sounds great, Tim. So I know from 2010 to 16, you spent time as the chief information officer at Facebook. So I want to ask you some questions about that. But what I want to lo love, you know, I'd love to learn more about is, How'd you get from there to what you're doing now? That one was easy. Uh, how I got there was a little bit uh, more complicated, but that's a different story. So, like I said, I in 2015, after answering Facebook's uh, semi-annual employee engagement survey for myself, uh, I started to really think about this question of, am I spending time on the things I really care about? And okay. I felt like I wasn't. Felt like things were evolving uh, to a point where I was spending a lot of time on administration or um, just things I didn't care as much about. And um, I wanted to do something about it. And uh, as I was thinking about, well, what could I do? I could go, you know, leave my job and go find another one someplace else. But that didn't sound quite interesting because, to be quite frank, for a CIO, uh, being the CIO of Facebook is like the pinnacle of your career. There's really nowhere what else to next. There. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready to retire. Uh, you know, I, I love to work. I love to do what I do. So uh, that then got me thinking about what are the things that I might do on my own? Um, and uh, a lot of how I achieved what I did at Facebook, uh, productivity growth at Facebook was by, um, you know, leading a team that uh, custom engineered enterprise software to help make Facebook more productive. And okay. so there was a lot of really cool things that we built. And I decided that it might be a good idea to go build some of that stuff for the rest of the world. And that's what ultimately gave birth to Woven. Yeah, excellent. Um, you know, and I, I know that the productivity piece is really important to you, why, why you started the new company. Um, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you, Tim, is like, why do you think that sometimes that we um, see time as worthless? We don't necessarily kind of take control of our time. Um, you know, I know at one point you said we can always earn more money, but we can only spend so much time. So 
Where do you think that comes from? Um, I think it's because we can't see how limited it is. If you, you know, are standing in front of an ocean of water, the last thing on your mind is going to be, oh, there's, you know, going to be a drought, right? Because you're looking at an ocean of water that goes as far as I can see. It's the same thing with our time. Like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, it's the morning, you have the entire day. Um, and uh, even though this day might end and you know that it's going to end, you have tomorrow and then the next day and next week, next month. But when you really take a step back and look at your life, it is finite, right? It's, it's hard for us to internalize that because the end date isn't known. And it's for many of us probably far out in the future. Um, but it is there and it, you, you know, if anybody who's had children, you can see how time can really catch up to you quickly where, you know, the moment that you have with your child as a one-year-old only lasts a few moments and then all of a sudden they're older than that and you can't go back to it. It's crazy. So you get a much greater sense of the passing of time. We don't have that for the, a big part of our lives. And so that can lead to us thinking we have an infinite amount of it. We have all the time in the world, but we don't. I like what you said there, uh, Tim. I think about um, some of the clients I've worked with. So I work with a lot of um, elite athletes and entrepreneurs uh, doing executive coaching and high-performance coaching. And I have um, one of my clients passed away from cancer about seven months ago. It was really, really tough. But I saw her live her life a lot differently at the end of her life, that it was more about other people than her. And I think because she knew her time was infinite. Um, so what strategies do you think that we could use in terms of um, owning our time more and being really deliberate with it if it is infinite? So I, I read a blog post last night that reminded me of something that was very meaningful to me. Um, I engaged a life coach 12 years ago. And the life coach, when we first started working together, had me do a bunch of different exercises, all on these little index cards. Okay. And one of the exercises was to write out on an index card every single year from birth until uh, basically go from one to a hundred. And then he had me circle um, three dates, my birth year, which is so okay. basically zero. Okay. Uh, my current age, which at the time was like 35. Uh, okay. um, I don't know if I want to admit that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, then he also had me circle 78. 78 is the expect life expectancy for an American male. Um, and um, so he's like, here's your life. Uh, and you're almost halfway through. You don't have a lot of, you have a lot of things that are already circled. So he had me circle every single year before um, my, uh, my current year. Uh, you only have so many left. And the whole point of this was to help create a sense of urgency that if I was going to accomplish life goals, those weren't going to happen by waiting. Mm. The best time to take action on them was today. Mm. What am I going to do right now? Mm. And quite literally, after working with this guy for a couple of weeks, I quit my job. I got myself set up to go do a completely different thing. I, I went and decided to go back to school, went back to get okay. my MBA. 
Um, I did a number of things that created a significant alteration in my life trajectory. Um, that uh, led me to Facebook. That wow. led me to my co-founder, um, the person whom I started my company with. That led me to a set of people that I have spent my life with over the last 10 years. Um, and all this came from the realization that if I wanted to accomplish certain things, I was going to have to do it now um, and not wait, not five years from now, not later, now. Uh, so that's my best advice on, on this front. Uh, but there's obviously lots of other things that people can do. That's powerful that it was like a life coach that had you think about that in terms of mm -hmm. what, where you are now in your, in your life and uh, what you want to do. And I like what you said about is like just taking massive action because time is not infinite, right? It's like mm -hmm. we only have a certain amount. So give us a little insight on leaving Facebook, right? Like pinnacle of your career or what people might see it as and then starting woven and tell us a bit about what that process was like when you started the company you're in right now yeah, well it, it started with very much the same mindset um mm. you know when i left facebook uh i was 43 i think something like that um i knew i wanted to do a startup okay. i did not want I didn't want to wait forever. I mean, I, the idea of doing a startup when I was in my 50s sounded, uh, you know, not very attractive. Um, and so that's part of what created the urgency to make the hard decision to leave and to go do um, do this right now. Um, I was fortunate that there were certain things that um, were an advantage for me. Um, people knew who I was. They knew what I did. So that gave me some... Um, uh, credibility uh, when it came to uh, meeting with investors. I knew I wanted to do something big, which is why I needed investors. I didn't want to do something mm. small. Okay. Um, and, and when I looked at this issue of time, it was meaningful to me. Um, it seems valuable to everybody because we, uh, one of the, the great equalizers in life is that we all have the same amount of time. It doesn't matter whether you're you know, super wealthy or, you know, ridiculously poor or, you know, somebody who's focused on the needs of others or someone who's very self-centered, we only have 24 hours in a day. Nobody has more. And um, so it seemed meaningful. And the tech, state of technology around this particular thing uh, seemed really nascent. Um, you know, the, the calendar as we know it is really a, a slight evolution from the calendars of the 1980s which were pieces of paper, diaries. What am I doing on this day? That's it, that's all I do. Um, so that's what led me to the problem that I'm focused on right now um, and gave me the motivation to go do some things that were hard. Uh, it's hard to quit a place like Facebook. Um, it's hard to get investment no matter who you are. Um, it's hard to build a company. You yeah. have to do a lot of things that are difficult. You know, the first employee that you hire, who else is making the decision to hire them besides you and your co-founder? It's you don't get enough information. Um, the uh, it's a big risk for them. Like, why? Where's everybody else? Like, why? Because <laughs> yeah. they're not a founder, but they're part of the founding team. And so, um, these uh, things are part of what is difficult. Um, but uh, when you have that north star of what is it that you're trying to accomplish and why are you doing this? Uh, it makes it all not only possible, but worth it. Yeah. 
So I, I like that you just admitted that it was a little scary leaving Facebook and then starting this company. And, you know, I, I think, Tim, that like what is scary is actually the thing that you need to move towards to grow and learn and build the business that you want and live the life that you want. What did it take from a mindset perspective in terms of actually doing that? Because there might have been people, my guess is that were like, what? You're leaving Facebook? Like, you know, international recognized brand, you know, like, and you've been, you were so successful there in terms of like doubling the productivity. So what did it take from a mindset perspective in terms of leaving there and, and getting these investors, which you're right, is, is difficult. Um, so I, it starts with um, just a couple words. Uh, one is courage. Um, you know, courage is the willingness to do something that might be painful or difficult in the short term for a greater purpose. Um, mm. And there's lots of demonstrations of courage. Uh, starting a company, I do believe, is courageous. Um, but there's a lot of people who do courageous things that don't start companies. Um, and in fact, there are many ways to exercise and demonstrate courage um, without having to do something as crazy as what I did, which is you know, quit a perfectly good job and try to go build a new company around uh, an, an idea. But you need that courage. Uh, if you don't have courage, uh, then you don't have the, the strength to walk through what's difficult. So mm. I'd say that's the, the first thing. Okay. Uh, the second thing for me is uh, I have a character trait, which is, um, uh, you know, made me very um, successful in the long term, um, sometimes stupid in the short term, um, but I'm tenacious. I don't mm. give up. Uh, I am very... Uh, you know, when I get focused on something, just because it gets hard, I don't give up. It doesn't mean I don't complain. It doesn't mean I don't go home and cry and think that I'm doing something stupid. And I'm, you know, but I don't give up. And anybody who knows me well will have their own stories of how I did something difficult and overcame it because I'm tenacious because I, I don't give up. And so those two things were really the core fuel. I'd say the third thing um, that uh, that helped make this happen is I do have ambition. Um, I am always looking at what more can I do. What mm. and uh, you know, once you get to a state that you might have previously defined as success, you know, an ambitious person is always looking at what's next. In some right. respects, it can be a curse. Um, sure, it's hard to sort of take a step back and look at the universe and appreciate everything that you have. And that's um, a weakness of mine. I'm not, not as good at that, but um, it is a driver and it helps motivate me and move me. And I'm, I'm never satisfied with where I'm at. I'm always thinking about where can I, you know, what, what else can I do? Um, so those three character traits are what um, fueled this. Uh, I have a bunch of other you know, skills and, and strengths, but uh, maybe one of the most important ones is, I know that I'm not the smartest person in the universe and I like to surround myself with people who are. Um, and that's, you know, where my co-founder comes in. Uh, he yeah. is one of the smartest people in the universe. And so I was able to get him motivated to solve this problem too. And now we're doing it together. And so we get to leverage his brain and my drive and tenacity and connections. And yeah. It's a great combination. Um, and that, but those things are really the raw ingredients um, and everything else derived from it. 
And what would you tell people who um, maybe in a similar situation who are in a full-time position and want to do something that's scary in terms of starting their own business? You know, what advice would you have for those people who want to make a similar career move? You know, what would you say to them? Well, the, the phrase that comes to mind, this is probably because I'm sitting in Utah right now. Yeah. I'm supposed to be skiing, but my, my body gave out on me, so I'm not able to right now. Um, but no guts, no glory. <laughs> you know, it, it, at Facebook, we had a, maybe a slightly nicer one, which is fortune favors the bold. Um, you know, the no risk, no reward. There's many different phrases that we celebrate. Um, the the risk taker is the one who usually achieves the biggest wins mm -hmm. and you can't, you know, we look at, you know, all the people who are successful um, in our world today. Uh, it's hard to think of many who were got, who got there because they were just given something like, okay, here's, you know, a hundred million dollars. And now all of a sudden you get to be who you are. There's, a, there's some people who are like that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, and you look at the Bill Gateses and the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Michael Bloombergs and the you know, Sergey Brins, and you know, there's a long list of them in technology and not in technology, um, who were uh, you know, willing to take those risks. And they would not be where they are today by playing it safe. They certainly wouldn't be there where they are working for other people. Um, it's not to say working for other people is bad. And I would not push the entrepreneurial life on anybody who's not prepared for it. Sure. And I think you can have a fulfilling and happy life and not be an entrepreneur. And in some respects, if you try to go down the entrepreneurial path and you're not ready for it, you will not be happy. Uh, it is hard. Um, so you really have to be cut out for it. But uh, if you are, there's no time like the present. Yeah. What would you say to those people who say, I just, you know, risk isn't part of my blood or, you know, who maybe have the story that they're, they can't take the risk, you know, how did you develop it in yourself or what advice would you give to other people who, who maybe just don't naturally have that? I think many people just don't. And I think that's okay. And, um, you know, as long as they're happy with their lives, then don't take those risks. Um, you're, you're not that kind of person and you're probably a fantastic supporter of somebody else who is yeah that said um you know that you might be that kind of person if you know when you hear what i just said and you kind of feel a little awkward like yeah that's i don't really want to stay where i'm at and there's something inside of you that's unexplored there's a there's a drive there's a motivation yeah and uh when you fight it it can lead to unhappiness right you know because some people get depressed, they, they stay where they're at, and they don't like where they're at, but they don't do anything about it. Um, so it's depressing, because they're in the same uh, situation. That uh, Ultimately, what's causing that is that they have ambition for something different, and they're not taking the action on it. So my advice to those people is, if you are unhappy with where you're at, then stop being unhappy and make the decision to go take an action and do something and you will instantly feel better. Even if what you do is a giant failure uh, <laughs> because you'll learn at least from the failure. So fortune favors the bull. So failure fortune favors the bull. Next question, Tim is uh, tell us about a time that you failed 
uh, maybe an epic failure in your mind would be great and uh, what you learned from it. And just the reason I want to ask you that is sometimes people might think, well, you know, Tim, he didn't fail. He got to Facebook, right? And had a successful career there. But tell us about a time that didn't go so great for you and what you learned from it. Well, um, I'll start by saying uh, my wife has this um, this cork board uh, in, in our bedroom that has all these little sayings. One of my favorites is the difference between the master and the novice is that the master has failed more times than the novice has tried. Ah, um, love it. And I think it's totally true because I failed a lot in my life. Um, you know, when I first was promoted to be the CIO of KLA Tincor, um, it was a dismal failure the first six months. Um, I was uh, not being a, a good leader to my team and I was being an even worse CIO. I would go into the executive staff meetings and talk to them about what we were doing in my organization. And not only would it go over their heads because they didn't understand IT, um, but they didn't care. They didn't want to hear any of that. And they weren't hearing what they did want to hear, which is what business outcomes was I driving? Because as a CIO at KLA Tincor, I was a general manager. Every general manager had a business objective. They had a business, like, you know, whether it's, you know, most of them revenue or profit, um, some of them uh, had cost savings and, uh, and others, but I, they all had business objectives and that's what they did when they would talk with each other. It was, uh, where are, are we on the business objective that I'm responsible for? Um, and it took my boss at the time, uh, who was not very nice about this, but he was direct. Okay. So it was effective. Uh, yeah. It took him telling me, like, I don't want to ever hear this shit from you uh, again okay. in one of these meetings. And, uh, you know, that, that message, he didn't tell me exactly what to say, but he told me what I was saying wasn't working. And it forced me to take a completely different pr approach at my next business review. And I remember... The night before, I was looking at my slide deck, and I was like, if I do this slide deck, I'm just going to get skewered one more time, and I don't want to do that. So I decided, and it didn't feel comfortable, I reversed the order of the slides. I started mm. talking with my costs first, and all the cost savings initiatives I was driving, starting with cost okay. savings in my organization. Okay. And that's exactly what... Uh, my the uh, president of the company wanted to hear about. That's what everybody else was looking for me to do. Um, and I didn't get a standing ovation, but I got a very strong like pat on the back afterwards. Like, nice. Okay, that was the best review we've ever had from your function. That's fantastic. So awesome. it took those failures to learn. Yeah what I needed to do. I have tons of examples of these, whether <laughs> at Facebook, um, even at Woven, um, or uh, in previous in my career. I, I did not get to where I am because I always succeeded. I got to where I am because I learned from all my failures. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And uh, what do you feel like was the main take home that you learned in that situation? Like what's the main point or the main lesson that you learned? Well, I learned several things. Um, one was that I learned what the purpose of my organization was. And I learned to always know the purpose of my organization. Second, I learned how important it is to speak to your audience. 
in language that they care about, not the language that you care about. Uh, I also learned that what you say is not always what is heard. To be quite frank, uh, I have some stories about my relationship with my wife where I learned this experience even better than I did in this other one. But uh, uh, this was an example of it. Um, and so it's really important to pay attention to your audience. Are they getting the message that you're trying to get across? And not just to assume that just because you said it, is that's what they heard. Yeah. Uh, and um, so those are probably the three big ones for me. Um, I also learned um, that was sort of the beginning of the end of my time at KLA Tencor. Um, even though I stayed with the company for another three years after that, I learned that the mission and the purpose of the of my team wasn't something I wanted to do in the long term, and I want, wanted to first prove to the world that I could do this job, I could do it well, I could be well respected in my abilities to do that job, and then I wanted to go leave and do it someplace else, um, which is sort of the seeds into the story of how I got to Facebook. Mm, excellent. You know, Tim, one of the stories that I read about you uh, was that you were in a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg and uh, you're biting your tongue because you disagreed with the consensus of what you were talking about and he called you out on it. So tell us about that um, and what you learned from him or what you learned about his leadership and the lessons you took from that. Yeah, I actually, this, um, I always respected him for this um, because as you said, we were in a meeting, we were talking about a set of information technology that um, strategically we wanted to move off of. Um, okay. And uh, Facebook wasn't comfortable having its data managed by this company. And the nature of the technology was kind of unique. Um, so moving off of, and it was important to the workforce. Uh, so moving off of this technology wasn't going to be easy because it wasn't a good replacement. Um, and uh, it wasn't something that um, was going to be well received by employees. Uh, but there was a good reason why Facebook wanted to do it. So I wasn't disagreeing with the decision. Uh, to move off this technology, but there was a group think that we should go down a certain path. Um, it was the safer path. Okay. The other path required working with a company that was unproven, that um, kind of had a, a poor product, but it had to me a lot more potential. And it was a lot closer to the technology that Facebook was trying to move off of. Okay. And so I, Zuck saw this, I didn't know him well enough to know that I actually had license to speak out forcibly about this. Um, but he gave me that license in that meeting. He's like, Tim, you disagree with this. I want to hear what you have to say. And so he gave me the floor. I got to speak my disagreement. I said, if we move to the technology that everybody wants to move to, I know it will not work. I know who's going to be unhappy with it. I know that um, it's going to cost us on the very one thing that you have been asked me to be responsible for, which is the productivity of the workforce. This other route, I don't know that we can make it work, but I think we can. I think that if I work with their CEO, that I can get them to specifically tailor their product to be more acceptable to Facebook. And we're going to be, it, not only in a much better state um, 
from a technology perspective, but we'll have a better partner in this. So whatever we might need in the future, that these guys would be very responsive to us. And Zuck said, okay, well, what do you need if you wanted to go down that route? And I said, I need two weeks to talk with them, to come up with the plan. Um, and I will be the first one to say the plan's not gonna work if after talking to them, I don't believe it can work. But uh, I need two weeks to get to that point. And he gave me the two weeks. We ended up going down the path that I um, advocated for. Nice. It's an embarrassing one to talk about because the technology still was suboptimal, but it worked. Um, okay. And, uh, but the more important thing is the importance of leaders looking for the dissenting opinion. And that's one of the things that mm. Mark Zuckerberg is particularly, um, I give him a lot of credit for it. He doesn't want to hear what everybody else believes. He wants to hear what he doesn't know. Yeah. Awesome. What are the things do you see, you know, the best of the best like him do differently in terms of mindset or leadership or taking risks? Um, well, there's, there's a lot, um, yeah. on mindset, um, you know, I think that, uh, one of the things that Facebook and, and this also comes from Zuck has been very good at is being very mission oriented. So creating a, a, a bigger picture and mission driven organizations, I think are far more effective, uh, than organizations that are driven by say profit or, um, sure you know, things that are smaller because the mission is what people will use to make decisions when you're not in the room. If you yeah. can set your culture up, right? So that's one. I think another one is this idea that, uh, you know, not wanting to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, I think when you are a very intelligent person, that is both difficult um, and it's, uh, you know, it's not very comforting to the ego to have people who are smarter than you. Um, it feels mm. good when you're, when you're smarter than everybody. Um, yeah. But it's not very effective. Um, sure. Because then you're basically limited by your own capabilities. And uh, I think I'm fortunate, this is gonna sound really um, self-effacing, but I grew up in a family where I was definitely not the smartest person. Um, you know, my, my father is a college professor, he's brilliant. My older sister is a bazillion times more intelligent than I am. So I kind of learned that humility on that front. I, I almost had the opposite problem. I didn't realize how smart I am, um, but I knew that I wasn't the smartest and I was comfortable not being the smartest. Okay. So that's made it easy for me to surround myself with, with people who are smarter than I am. Uh, and I think it is a very valuable skill, especially when you know what you are good at and what you're not good at. And then you can sort of build a company where you look for the people that compliment you know the things that you don't um i think facebook's a fantastic example of that so um, tim i got one other question for you that kind of follows up on that when you say like mission driven companies and organizations tell us what your perspective on in terms of how to develop that mission or you know what that what that looks like in terms of the best and then you said um and then if you set your culture up right tell us what your perspective is on that in terms of how the culture um connects with the mission well, uh, starting with the, the mission, I think the, uh, the mission is the answer to, a, to the question, why? Why are you doing this? Um, and when that answer is meaningful, uh, then you probably have a good mission. Yeah. When the answer is shallow, like I often get asked the question, oh, did you start Woven to 
you know, basically flip it and sell this to Google in a couple of years or, you know, uh, to sell it to another company. And, you know, my answer to that is if I did that, that's, that's like option three or four in sure. the route for this business. It's definitely not option one. I, option one for me, what I'm trying to do is something big. Uh, and then I go back to the mission. And the mission is how people spend time on what matters most. That's a big answer to the question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? If the Absolutely. answer to my question is because I want to make a million dollars, okay, that's a small, it's not particularly inspiring. That's not a very sure. good mission. It's a mission. You, know, sure. you could have a mission like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the way that people get meaningful missions is to keep asking the question, why? Why are you doing this? In terms of culture, culture is really the result of your leadership decisions. Culture is what you reward. Culture is what you tolerate and encourage. I do think you can be deliberate about culture. You can sit down with a group of people and ask how, what you want the culture to be. Um, but I think more than anything, it is reflective of leadership decisions. So if you fire somebody for standing up to you, you're creating a culture of yes. I want yes people, people who are not going to challenge me. And you're going to have small-minded people. If you you know, reward somebody for making a mistake, but learning from it, and it's a big mistake. And now you've created a growth-oriented mindset. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think ultimately, this, uh, the answer to this question, how do you do it? it? It comes down to what you reward and what you choose to reward. Great. I like that. When I think about Facebook's why, you know, their mission, what's their mission? The, the mission is to make the world more open and connected. Um, and that drove all the decisions. So when you're talking about, well, why are we selling advertising? Advertising helps fund this business, which is going to enable people to connect. Why are we trying to grow more users? Why are we trying to get to 1 billion and 1.5 billion, 2 billion? Because that's making the world connected. Absolutely. Why are we trying to encourage people to share? They're yeah. making them more open connected. So that's been the mission of the company. I think the mission is flawed. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a little bit of the trouble that Facebook finds itself in now because it assumes that that's what the world wants. Uh, and I think we found some examples of why that doesn't actually work. But um, without getting too judgmental on the mission, right. Right. they have absolutely, that's a big mission. That's a and when the, mission. <laughs> when the company's yeah. small and has like, you know, a million users, making the world more open and connected sounds gigantic. Uh, yeah. Now that Facebook is what it is, it, you can almost say mission accomplished, right? It's like you, you really have done this. Yeah, they have done it. So Tim, I want to talk a little bit more about your company, Woven. Tell us what makes it different than other similar uh, companies like it? Well, I think it starts with the people. Um, you know, my, my co-founder and I are a very different kind of founding team. And the team that we have built around us is a very um, experienced, uh, highly technical group of, of individuals. So um, although every company likes to claim they have the best and the most unique team. Um, but in terms of our approach, Calendars haven't evolved in large part because 
everybody's been focused on fixing the UI, the interface into them. Okay. Like, okay. Let me make the calendar prettier. Mm. So products like Fantastical. Or let me make the, um, it a little bit easier to create events. So put like a little bit of natural language processing in. Um, or there's companies that have gone all in on that user interface, like X.AI, that have said, let me create a voice or a, a text interface to the calendar so I, I can talk to it and say, hey, schedule this meeting with Joe next week. Um, but they don't change what the calendar ultimately is. The calendar is a date book. It keeps track of the following four bits of information. The name of an event, the time of an event, sometimes the description of the event and the people, sometimes the people that are going to the event. That's it. So if you want to go to your calendar and say, ask it the question, am I spending time on what matters most? It actually can't answer that question. Now let's start with the fact that it can't tell you how you're spending time. There's no query interface. There's no ability for it to calculate, you know, how busy you are. Uh, it's just very good at making you busy, uh, but it doesn't. It also doesn't know how you're spending your time. It doesn't know the difference between an interview and, um, you know, date night with your wife, meeting with a supplier, or meeting with a coworker. It doesn't mm. know the difference. It doesn't have any kind of descriptive information, so it's impossible for the calendar to answer that question. And if it can't answer that question, then it can't help you. It can't help you spend time on the things that, uh, that matter most. It's not there to help make sure you have an agenda. It's not there to help make sure that you actually accomplished your agenda or that you got all of the action items to accomplish your agenda in the future captured. It's not there to even help you schedule the event. It's there to just tell you what you're doing. Other people have to do the work to, to make that possible. So what we're trying to do is complete it. We're actually not trying to replace it. We're trying to complete it. And that's what makes us different is everybody else is focused on taking these same four fields and just wrapping a different user interface around it, making it prettier. And we're trying to make uh, all the information around your time connected in a way that helps you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And I'm sensing get information about how you're spending your time. And are you spending it on the things that matter most to you? Yeah. I mean, we just released this um, nifty little, it's a lightweight analytic and it's just the tip of the iceberg. But when I w open up Woven, the first thing it does is it tells me when my next meeting is and how I'm going to get there, whether that's driving or I got to call somebody or maybe it's a Zoom link. But then right, uh, and then right below it tells me what's changed on my calendar. So what new events have been scheduled or maybe uh, the location has changed on something and then at the bottom is the summary of what my my week looks like so far how am i spending my time how many events do i have um how much time in events and like how much of that time is personal time how much of that time is time spending marketing recruiting um with investors like these are the major parts of my job right um, and Woven helps me keep track of that. Cool. And it's right, right there where I can say, you know what? I'm not spending that much time marketing this week. Maybe I need to make yeah. an adjustment. Mm -hmm. And it will, will help me um, make decisions on the future. 
I think about how I work with a lot of salespeople. They're real estate or uh, financial planners, and they're always keeping track of their numbers and the meetings kept and, you know, what kind of clients they were uh, meeting with. I could see how like Woven could really help you get the analytics like right away, exactly how you're spending your time. So super cool. I know you can go on there, woven.com, and you can go on and um, get a free uh, account. Tell us like why else would we want to go check it out? Well, it's uh, the fastest way to schedule. Um, so I don't have an executive assistant and I don't need one, at least not to manage my calendar um, because I'm, I'm able to handle all of those things myself extremely quickly. Uh, it's fast, not just for me, but for people on the other side. So uh, that's, that's a big uh, win for the product. Um, the second thing is that uh, Woven helps me manage my entire life, not just my work life, because it works across all of my calendars. Uh, today, it works across multiple Google accounts. So I have a personal account and a work account. Um, we're just about to release our um, Office 365 uh, version, which will allow people who use Office at work but Gmail at home um, nice. to bring all their time together in one place so that uh, when you're busy at home, you're not available to go do something at work and vice versa. Um, so these are some of the things that we do in addition to helping you uh, keep track of how you're spending time. Um, and then the things that we're moving, working on moving forward are how do we make that time spent more effectively? How do we help you manage your agendas or manage the um, follow-up actions uh, in ways that will uh, help make sure that the time that you are spending is effective time? Yeah, nice, awesome. So woven.com is where you can go over and check it out. Um, Tim, if people have any questions or comments for you, or how can they get a hold of you in terms of just following what you're doing either at Woven or any other place on social? I'm easy to find, so you can, uh, uh, you know, just uh, you know, reach me um, at uh, Woven or on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is T Campos. Um, pretty responsive on both of those fronts. Um, we have Slack groups, uh, we have Facebook groups, um, and we're very active on social media as well. If anybody wants to tag Woven uh, in a question, um, the Twitter handle there is uh, Woven app, um, Woven underscore app. Um, and those are really the easiest ways to, to get uh, a hold of me. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today on the High Performance Mindset. I'd love to give you just a summary of what I got from today's interview as a way to wrap it up and as a way to help the listeners like, oh yeah, this is what Tim talked about. So when I asked you about why we don't always value our time, you said because we don't see how limited it is and that it's really, um, it's not infinite. And I appreciate what you said about that and just the exercise that your life coach gave you, just helping us think about how many years do we really have left and how are we gonna spend it? I liked uh, what you talked about related to risk. I thought, I thought that was really powerful. And when I think about the people that you've been exposed to, but also like you, you moving forward with Woven from Facebook, just like this fortune follows the bull and um, taking risks is really important. And the people that you gave us as an example, like they took huge risks and then there was um, a big payoff. So continue to take risks in our lives and being courageous, like you mentioned. And at the end, the culture piece was really interesting. And when you're talking about how culture is reflective of leadership decisions, what you tolerate, what you encourage, what you 
a reward as well. So really good stuff today, Tim. I encourage everyone to check out woven.com. I was over there earlier um, and, and created a free account and I'm going to be checking it out because I'm busy. And so I got to make sure I keep my calendar. <laughs> I'm on top of it as well. So thanks again for joining us today. All right. Thanks for having me. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra. That's D-R-I-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.